welcome to the SBCA podcast, Component Connection. Hello, my name is Sean Shields, and today I'll be your host for this SBCA podcast series, looking at how component manufacturers across the country are innovating to take advantage of opportunities in today's market. My guests today are Dave Mitchell, General Manager, and Zach Shepard, Operations Manager at Engineered Building Design in Washington, Iowa. Dave and Zach, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you, Sean, for having us. Yes, thank you, Sean. Appreciate the opportunity to share what we do. Excellent. Well, you both have interesting paths uh, in your journey in the component manufacturing industry. I'm hoping that we can start off by each of you briefly sharing how you ended up where you're at today at EBD. Uh, Dave, let's start with you. Okay. Um, my dad was a general contractor in Iowa City, Iowa. I worked with him originally as a framer, so worked with him as a little kid, worked with him in college. Um, he was building the house uh, in 1994. Trusses were at a long lead time that year around in Iowa. And uh, on a whim, he kind of bought a truss plant, an empty truss plant that is with some equipment and hired me to run it. So in 1995, as a 22-year-old kid, I was running a truss plant immediately after college. You know, we've been blessed um, since I started that we kind of have three paths or three timelines in our business uh, from 1995 until the recession, the recession, and then uh, maybe from 2011 through now. And uh, we've really been able to grow a great company with great people. And uh, Zach being one of those people is my operations manager. So Zach, have you always just worked for EBD? Uh, more or less, Sean. I started here in 1997 as a 16-year-old kid. I'd done a little bit of odd jobs here and there, did some shingling, did a little bit of uh, uh, framing stuff with my dad. So I had I knew my way around a tape measure, knew my way around a hammer, uh, but knew nothing about trusses. So um, it's kind of neat. If you look at my career path uh, from uh, 5,000 feet, it would look like a spiral graph circling around in multiple directions. Um, I started out picking plates in the shop and uh, absolutely hated that, um, did not enjoy picking plates, but uh, as soon as I would get caught up picking plates, I'd have the opportunity to build trusses, and I loved uh, building trusses. That was where my passion was. I enjoyed just the uh, uniqueness and uh, just the fact that I could push myself and push those around me, so I really enjoyed it. Um, I had the benefit of starting here early enough in EBD's career um, where they were only two years into uh, two and a half years into their business. So I was able to learn a lot of things. I was able to uh, get around and work at uh, all of our jig stations. Now, we only had uh, three or four with floor trusses, so it wasn't a lot, uh, but also was able to operate our different saws. So I learned a lot, gained a lot of knowledge uh, by applying myself in all these areas and have reaped the benefits of being able to understand multiple areas of our industry from the bottom up. Uh, looking back, I realized that I had a natural lean mindset, and I applied that to every area of truss production, from something as simple as paring plates uh, in the wintertime when everybody else was standing around, to uh, pre-cutting, pre-nailing floor blocks, uh, cutting wedges while running the saws, uh, just doing the little things that no one else was willing to do. And I believe that's one of the things that set me apart from our other production employees. Uh, but I think it's one of the things that uh, allowed Dave to uh, recognize uh, something in me. So I moved into the office in 2001, started design. Um, I had the opportunity to start a sales route uh, for a couple of years, did that in the Des Moines area, uh, helped grow our commercial estimating. I dabble in the IT. I'm, Dave's teaching me and I'm learning a little, little bit by little bit there. Uh, but now I've got the privilege to sit and learn under Dave 
uh, helping him run the company. So early on, we recognized in Zach, uh, you know, this lean manufacturing mindset. Um, as a as a kid, he changed the way we picked our plates for each and every uh, truss. As an example, we'd been picking in bulk before that, and uh, you know, he just he revolutionized the way we pick plates, uh, pre-cut wedges, other things that he mentioned, uh, and that set him apart from all the other workers that we had on the floor at the time. Interesting. Well, I mean. Talking about both of your um, experiences in the growth, you know, being involved in the growth of EBD, um, you really be both became jacks of all trades. Well, let's let's turn and, and look at EBD itself. Um, you operate in a pretty stable yet pretty competitive market. Uh, can you share some stories from those early years of, of EBD and how you developed your business model and maybe Zach, to your point, like how you uh, we're part of shaping EBD's uh, internal business culture. Yeah, I'll go ahead and I'll jump on that. So one of the things that I noticed was that uh, even though we were a small company when I started, I mean, we probably had 20 employees, uh, maybe even including the office at the time. We were really small, about a fifth of the size we were last year. And even though we were small, we had our production in three different facilities at the time. We had uh, two jig stations in two different uh, buildings that we had our saws in another building. And then we had the office in a fourth building. So while we were small, there was definitely a disconnect in that uh, the information flow. And so one of the things that drove me crazy was that every time we would do certain things in the production facility, we would have to come to the office and ask for paperwork. For example, uh, building our quick frames or easy hips, we would need measurements so that we could uh, build them correctly. And so we'd come to the office and we'd ask Dave or one of the designers to get that information, um, or we beveled all of our jacks. And we would never have that paperwork at the saws when we were cutting it right when we wanted to go ahead and bevel them. So there was a little bit of a disconnect. And I think that's just because we didn't have somebody on the floor understanding what we were going through. So I was able to uh, come into the office and just kind of help uh, guide our designers to uh, get that information out to the shop ahead of time just to speed them up. So nothing worse than building an easy hip and you got to stop and you got four guys standing around while one person goes to the office and goes to get the measurements. Now nobody's getting anything done and that drove me crazy. I couldn't stand seeing people stand around. So finding ways to keep our guys busy um, all the time because they had the right information in front of them. Yeah, we've sure improved the ability to have the right information at the right place at the right time over the years. A little bit of that's automation, part of its software, part of its training and, and process. Um, so to talk about, uh, you know, getting into business in a competitive marketplace, you know, when we started business, we've competed against uh, some excellent competitors. Um, we still compete against those same people 25 years later, and they're still excellent competitors. But so we have to distinguish ourselves from our competition. And the, the main way we've done that is by being framer friendly. And what does that mean? It's proper layouts with fewer odd spaces. It's reduced bracing by shortening web lengths or, or flipping web orientation. We've still worked very hard at uh, eliminating web bracing. Maybe if that's increasing cord grade or web grades or web uh, sizes even. Um, we try to bundle in order uh, as sequence as much as possible for the 
for the builder. That's a real balance between uh, being efficient in your production, being able to create a stack of trusses that can be delivered successfully without breaking trusses, yet being framer friendly. So we work very hard at that each and every job, especially those that are difficult and complex. They're more complex to sort and stack, but uh, sure helps the framer in the field. This is all about uh, training our design staff in particular and also our production to make sure that they are designing framer-friendly packages, uh, that our production understands the importance of stacking orders and making it framer-friendly when the job site or, or when the trust package arrives at the job site. So Dave, that, that's an interesting point that you raise. So you are trying to differentiate yourself by focusing on sort of the installation aspect of your product. I'm curious, who do you sell to, and um, why did you decide to focus on that aspect of it? So we do sell to uh, lumberyards, right? And many times there's uh, several tiers of people that are involved in the decision-making of who they are buying the trusses from. We took the attitude that uh, if we could please the framers, the, the framers would uh, be in communication with the generals and the generals would be in communication with the estimators at the lumber yard. That's typically who's do, doing the buying. So that's quite a process to build that reputation uh, with the framers and then with the generals and then with the estimators at the yard. And it has to do with you know what we're trying to do to make things easy for the builder, but proving that is valuable to the estimator at the yard because we are able to do jobs that their customers really want. And we, we've actually worked at training estimators of lumber yards to try to sell for a higher price. Well, that, that makes me curious, Dave. Uh, you know, you mentioned recently that um, you're a small operation that's currently committed to growing into a much larger operation. Uh, can you talk, both of you, can you talk about what's driving you in that direction and what the two of you see are the main challenges you need to overcome both in the short term and the long term to, to reach those growth goals? I'll take that first. So um, we're committed to growing into a larger operation. And the reason we are, uh, you can look at it from both bottom up or top down. Uh, if you look at it from bottom up, the, the person that we hire today needs a career growth path. We want that person to be able to advance with us um, and be able to improve his or her role with us. So maybe today that person's on the table, maybe later they're a jig leader, maybe they're in the saw department, maybe they work in our trust yard. And in, in our case, you know, most of our trust designers have been trained in or have come from production. And several of our salespeople have come from production to trust design to sales. So we're trying to create that growth path for each and every employee that is part of our team. From the top down, you know, my board of directors and rest of my ownership um, you know, they want increasing returns. So, uh, you know, it's very important that we're able to continue to grow our company. Uh, the challenges I see when um, I wear lots of hats, and now I have Zach that wears lots of hats with me, the challenges I see are that you have to move from just a couple people managing the whole operation successfully, where we have our hands in almost everything, to developing a team of people uh, moving from the mom and pop, uh, so to speak, to the medium-sized company, um, developing people, process, and product. Uh, that's the biggest challenge that I see right now. You know, challenges are um, always presenting themselves, um, and we see that right now. I see, Sean, too. I mean, I want to second what Dave says. That's something that we are definitely working on hard 
at our company um, this week. I've met with our production manager, our uh, lead supervisors in each area. And my, my talk with them this week has been that they need to find that next guy in line that's gonna take their place so that we can give them more responsibility. And that allows Dave and I to then delegate things down to them. Um, one of the things that I'm working on right now is doing a better job delegating. It's so easy to try to do it all ourselves, but we can't. And as we grow, we have to do things better. Um, a saying that I'm trying to introduce into our company right now is that we're too busy not to do things right. Um, I don't ever want to be too busy that uh, we don't take the time to do it right. So the complete focus that I have at EBD is to make EBD better, um, whatever that takes. I never want to be the reason that EBD doesn't succeed. So I don't want to be stubborn and not allow somebody else to have the opportunity to grow to advance their career because I have to be touching so many things. So that's one of the things that I think that I can improve. Um, so the main challenge that I have right now is to make sure I am not the reason we're not growing. And so therefore my daily goal is to always be learning. I want to leave each day having learned something new. Um, one of the things that I'm doing is that I'm trying to apply myself and read more. I'm trying to read every day and I've got a goal of 20,000 pages this year. And my goal is to not just uh, make that goal, but to exceed it uh, because then I'm gaining all this knowledge that I can hopefully then pass on to the people around me. So the biggest challenge we have is just getting the correct people on the bus. And I believe we're taking very active steps, finding and retaining those people. And once we get those people on the bus, maybe we don't have them in the right spot right away, but we can move them to the right spot. I think that we have a very good core of our leadership. And I think we've been blessed with the people that have come our way uh, so far. And I hope we can continue to uh, build on that. Zach, you, you raise an interesting point. So you're really focused on uh, this employee uh, retention and growth from within. Can you give me a specific example, maybe in one of these meetings that you had this last week or the last couple of weeks, about how you pour into a particular employee and make sure that they understand you know, how the company is focused on their growth development and what that looks like for them? I mean, what do you practically lay out in front of them so it gives them a, a sense for, yes, I have somewhere to go here? So right now I'm working with um, an example. I've got a designer and uh, that I'm my newest designer that we brought from the shop. Uh, he's been with us for a little over eight years, I believe, and had spent a, lot, a good portion of his career out in the shop. And we were able to, our production manager, able to talk to him, kind of paint a career path for him and uh, show him that he'd have the opportunity to move into the office. And he's been in the office a little over a year now. And for example, one of the things he's doing for us right now is that we've allowed him to run a lean training that we're doing right now with our yard. We're uh, trying to organize our EWP and our wall panel, uh, finished wall panel bundles, and he's running it. So um, I've given him the opportunity to run this. And if he runs it correctly, um, that uh, we would continue to do these and we would give him uh, just the ability to run all of them. So that's just kind of the career path he's got sitting in front of him right now. Um, I'd also like to see him maybe take over uh, just a continuous improvement role in our company, not just with the lean, but in the day-to-day -day of everything we do here uh, to just to try and get a better uh, product out the door for our customers and for our owners. Excellent. So as general manager and operations manager at EBD, you two have to work very closely together on a daily basis. Talk a little bit about how the two of you collaborate and communicate with each other. 
how do you handle conflict when it comes up? And as you were alluding to earlier, how do you agree to hand off and delegate work? Number one thing that I think that we both have to have is patience. Um, I have made and will continue to make multiple mistakes. And uh, Dave is very, very patient. He's been extremely patient for me, allowing me to grow, uh, helping me learn from my mistakes. Uh, one of the things that he's done a good job is pointing out weaknesses that need improvement and uh, taking those weaknesses and turning them into strengths. And uh, I'm a very type A, very driven individual, and uh, that's not always easy to take. So it takes uh, the right person on the other end to be able to point somebody's weaknesses out. And I feel like while he's been doing that to me, I've been able to learn from him and then I can in turn help those around me. Um, I think that we're both driven people. We're fairly calm. I think that he's helped me there. Uh, we tend to handle things uh, in bite-sized chunks. We don't, uh, Dave's probably his most famous saying that he uses is crawl, walk, run. And so we take things uh, step by step. Uh, we also have the advantage of working together for almost 23 years now. I mean, we've both been at EBD for over half our lives. And these last eight years, we've really uh, learned to trust each other more and more. So uh, that helps. We spend uh, every morning talking about multiple things from operation to design to IT, whatever uh, needs to be covered. And I think those moments are probably some of the best parts of my day. Uh, we accomplish a lot of things uh, just talking through them. Um, a strength I think that we both bring to the table is our ability to multitask. Um, someone listening to our conversations would probably wonder what we were talking about because we can transition very quickly to another topic without appearing to finish what we are covering. Uh, but we're always able to circle back if we need to, to that uh, particular conversation. Uh, we also help push and pull each other as we need. Like I said, Dave is a crawl, walk, run. I tend to be the run, walk, crawl individual, and this helps both of us at times. Uh, there's times I want to run, and Dave can show me the wisdom in slowing down. And at the same time, there's times we may be crawling, and I can help get us up to that slow jog. So uh, it also helps that Dave's crazy smart. Um, he's taught me so many things over the years and continues to teach me and impart practical knowledge. So um, I'm beyond blessed to work under his leadership. Well, when you've worked in a place um, over half your life, you know you're getting old. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we uh, have differences in personality, um, different strengths and weaknesses. Zach and I don't have to talk that much to figure out how we go about our daily roles here. Um, you know, I've got certain things that I handle, and Zach has certain things that he handles, and we work together on certain things. But uh, he can feel what he needs to do based on um you know what i'm doing and what i'm busy with he can he can pick up some slack on some things that i do and i can pick up some slack on things that he's unable to to tend to because he's been he's busy doing other things and we we really work together with that you know we can both of us can do most of the jobs here um from helping sales to helping design to um uh, even even if we had to we could probably go get on a trust table and build trusses it's been a long time, actually, but I really enjoyed that when I got to do it. Um, but the biggest thing, like I said, is the patience we have with each other. I think the common goal of uh, of building our team, continuing to make people better, uh, continuing to try to, um, you know, to find better ways to do everything that we do. And we work pretty well together doing such a thing. So, you know, as you seek to grow obviously you guys have your own unique pain points that you're encountering which may be different than the pain points you encountered five years ago can you guys spend a few minutes talking about 
some of the pain points that you have had to overcome over the last couple of years and which ones you're facing now, um, and maybe a little bit into what solutions did you, um, you know, how, how did you arrive at the solutions that you ultimately employ to get past that pain point? You know, um, when you wear multiple hats, like you do when you start a trust plant and you're the general manager um, and you're, you're involved in sales and design and production and shipping and you're ordering lumber and all those things, you focus on the things that, um, I'm stealing this a little bit from Zach here, but you focus on bottlenecks, but that's the way we've always done it. And I think that's what we do today. Um, we're always working on the parts of the business that need to work. Usually you can feel that, you can tell, um, you know, maybe, maybe our sales department needs help. Maybe our uh, design department needs help. Sometimes we uh, divide and conquer and other times we're working together on these things. Um, and we, um, we continue to try to, to grow the business by, you know, by solving the bottleneck or making the bottleneck better and then moving on to the next bottleneck. Um, we installed solar on a slightly different subject. We installed solar power uh, panels uh, in 2014. And uh, you know that's been a great thing to help us make our utility bills a little more consistent. And uh, I don't know if it solved a problem, but it, uh, with the rate of increase of our utilities, it's, that has been a great move. Uh, you know, we we're always trying to find, you know, what pieces of equipment or what can we can do different to uh, help reduce our pain points. Sean, I think another thing that we've done really well, being in rural Iowa, we struggle sometimes to find uh, just that employee pool. Um, we're uh, you know 30 minutes from a major city, and uh, we don't always have. Uh, um, that right person, you know, available. We have low unemployment, which is a great thing, but uh, we've struggled at times to go out and find designers, salesmen. And Dave kind of talked about it earlier, but I think one of the things that that helped force us to do is to look within. And I think we have benefited greatly from it in that we've been able to promote uh, a multitude of people from our shop and see them uh, excel in all areas of our business from design to sales to driving trucks. Um, that has been uh, a bottleneck that is, I think, going to continue to be a bottleneck, but that we can continue to uh, promote people in the shop. One of the things, a conversation I had today was, you know, who's that next guy in line? Where's the guy out in the shop or the girl out in the shop that uh, is the next person that we can use up here? And I talked to our floor supervisor and we have a name in mind. So what's it going to take to get that guy trained so that he becomes an asset uh, to Dave and I up here? in the office. So uh, continue to help our guys in the shop to help them advance their careers so that we can bring them, uh, promote them up into the office and uh, they can help grow our company uh, through the, the design, through sales, whatever uh, we may need. So that's been a great way to deal with that bottleneck. You know, as well, Sean, um, diversity of our workforce, and we've always just tried to hire the best person, period. Um, our workforce is diverse in race. Our workforce could become more diverse in gender. In other words, uh, more female employees, I think, is an underserved area for shop employees. Our county has one of the highest workforce participation rates and a very low unemployment rate, which means that many, many spouses are already working. But 
uh, we have a, a couple females that are on the shop floor that are just fantastic workers. And, you know, we could have quite a few more to help us through a labor shortage problem. So one question I have for you guys is, you know, you, you talk about on the employee side of things, um, you know, focusing on employee retention, employee loyalty, giving them a path, making sure they understand this is a career, not just a job. Um, Zach, you also mentioned that lean has always been sort of an integral part of your experience working in the trust plant. Can you spend a minute just talking about how you were able to implement some of the lean concepts you've learned over the years and getting the rest of the employee base to adopt them, incorporate them, take ownership of them? I think that's an area that a lot of component manufacturers are interested in right now, but are struggling to figure out how to how to crack that egg effectively. I think uh, when it comes to the lean part of our company, uh, right now I don't have a hand in it. It is completely um, floor level, shop level, uh, design level driven. So the lean manufacturing, uh, the lean program that we're going through right now, we're doing a Kaizen event and it is driven by a designer and it's driven by our yard supervisor. Uh, but we've brought in people from every department. So we have a guy from our salt department. We have a couple of, uh, we have a guy and a gal from the floor uh, the trust builders. We have a couple of guys from out in the yard and uh, we have buy-in by doing it that way. Instead of Dave or myself or our production man or manager, Larry, sitting in there uh, telling them how they should do it, um, they're driving it. And I think that buy-in is extremely important. I noticed a couple of weeks ago, I went out there and I sat in, I just wanted to listen to their conversation. And I sat in the back of the room. I just wanted to see how they were doing. And every time somebody would talk, they would turn around and they'd look at me. And they would want to know, what am I going to say? And I had to leave the room uh, because I didn't want to influence their decisions. I wanted these guys to come up with their own ideas, knowing that if they come up with their own ideas, um, even if we have to tweak it along the way, um, we'll get more buy-in versus if I said, okay, I think you should do this. And I had several ideas that I wanted to implement into this uh, event, but it wasn't worth losing uh, that uh, buy-in from our employees. So. I think that's where I've uh, delegated, been able to step back and let somebody else run it has been one of the best things that I could have ever done when it comes to the, the lean uh, aspect of our company. Okay, so I'm gonna ask you guys to look five years ahead. Um, with all the goals that you have before you right now, what does success look like for you guys in five years? What's gonna be different about your company, either your operations or your market? Will there be a clear sign to the two of you that uh, if we if it looks like this or we change something in this way, we will have succeeded at meeting our goals in five years. I think that uh, personally, and I think this, I think Dave would uh, second this, is that we envision our people taking more and more responsibility. Um, future state for Dave and I would be the day-to-day -day being handled by capable leaders, uh, not only in the shop, but also in the office, um, having our trust technicians step up, having uh, our, you know, our supervisors um, step up, having the jig leaders step up, um, just getting that employee buy-in that what they do matters, uh, but more importantly, that more than just doing their day-to-day -day jobs, uh, looking around and trying to figure out what else can I do to help EBD succeed. So uh, in my opinion, when we can get to that point where our employees can run our company and we can step back uh, and not step back and completely step out of the picture, but step back and uh, see where we can take EBD in the next five years, the next 10 years, uh, be able to look down the road 
and actually be able to focus on what we need to do to get to whatever goal we have and not get bogged down by all the day-to-day things that uh, can take up so much time. It, it can get pretty frustrating at times where we're so caught up in the day-to-day things that we can't deal with uh, issues that arise and just take care of them and get them out of the way so that down the road, we don't have to deal with them again. So when our people are able to um, continue to grow, and I think we have the right people, like I said earlier, I think these people are going to continue to grow. And I think that, I I believe this is a a vision that's actually going to happen uh, in the near future. And I'm excited to see that uh, come to fruition. And to prove that, uh, we would, we're really successful with this. We'll have the market penetration in a broad range of markets, territorial and type of construction, uh, residential, multifamily, commercial, and ag in our particular case. And, and if we're really successful, we'll have great loyalty amongst our customer base in a broad range of markets. That's what, uh, that's what all this back-end stuff is for is is to drive that success in the field. Excellent. So last question for you. Now that you two have spent 25 years together building this business together, what would you say are some of the most significant opportunities available to you and to the component manufacturing industry? And on the flip side, what would you say are some of your biggest challenges? I think my biggest frustration, Sean, is just lack of forward progress. Um, Now, to be fair, we as an industry have come a long ways in the past few years. Um, I know the recession obviously hurt uh, back in 08, and it's taken some time to kind of catch up with that. But at times, I feel like we, uh, as an industry, have failed to embrace new ideas in manufacturing. Um, One of the things that uh, I've gained um, has been able to listen to these podcasts and just to hear from leaders in our industry, uh, both those with decades of experience and those that are up and coming has been uh, extremely insightful. Um, after just a few short days hanging out with so many of these CMs, um, I can see the value of the OQMs and the continuous industry growth. Um, I'm enjoying the Emerging Leaders Board uh, because it should bring new ideas to our side of the component manufacturing. Uh, but I'd like to see our suppliers continue to embrace new concepts, uh, new ideas, so that we here at EBD um, and other trust companies around the country can continue to offer quality products to our customers. Uh, for instance, you know, last year at BCMC, it was really neat to see new robotics um, being showcased, but I want to stay on top of that technology. So there's a lot of other industries out there that have a lot to offer. Um, and just because they don't manufacture trusses doesn't mean we can't learn, uh, glean new ideas from their operations. So I just uh, would like to see all of us continue to learn uh, from those around us and uh, figure out what technology that other industries are using that we can implement and then gain um, as a whole in our industry. So I believe that, um, you know, the housing and wood construction industry is very inefficient. And I believe that component manufacturers and us in particular, even in our rural, relatively rural Iowa, have a real opportunity to transform construction over the next decade with you know, more off-site construction um, with panels, potentially floor panels, um, roof trusses and floor trusses. Uh, make this installed cost of the structure 
much more efficient than it is today. I see a lot of waste. I think that's an industry problem that uh, we can have a great chance to improve and to profit from. Excellent. Well, Dave, Zach, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today for this podcast. Thank you, Sean. Yes, thank you, Sean. We enjoyed the opportunity to talk to you guys. Well, I'd also like to thank our listeners for spending this time with us. Hopefully you gained some insight from Dave and Zach on how to capitalize on today's market opportunities. Thank you for listening to SBCA's podcast, Component Connection. We are committed to bringing you a variety of information via this podcast. Please email your feedback or suggestions for future topics to podcast at sbcindustry.com. 